time, space, the cosmos, our universe. We are existing in a plane or many planes that is so hard to comprehend, but that is also so familiar. Our lives are filled with information, bits and pieces constantly passing through our eyes into our brains, and we interpret them in so many ways. This world we're living in, there's so much to it. How we experience our lives is very important and how we take each of our lives and project it to others is also very important. I'm grateful for my life and the lives of others, the people who come on the show and share their stories. Before we jump into the podcast, enjoy a little bit more of this wonderful, cosmic-centered music. used to tell stories by fire, sitting around, huddled together. In the dark of the night, there was an orange hue, an orange blaze of light that helped us see each other's faces to illuminate our thoughts. All these thousands of years later, we're doing the same thing but with the podcast, with our electric light shining in our eyes, telling stories. Today's guest is Tom Evans, very talented author, wonderful person. We talk a lot about Soul Waves, which is a book he's written, and how we exist, and how we tell stories, and how we can meditate on those things. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Evans. All right, man. Tom, I am pumped to be speaking with you today. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Oh, it's my great pleasure. My second podcast of the day, would you believe, Darian? So, uh, oh my gosh, yeah. what have you? What were you doing earlier? What was the podcast? Yeah, well, I, I was introduced to Microsoft Teams. Never used Microsoft Teams, and it's uh, about a lady who interviewed me um, uh, eight years ago about a book I wrote eight years ago, and she wanted a, an update on what had happened in those intervening eight years. So it's a lovely uh, reminiscence. I mean, eight years—that's a decent amount of time lapse between that, you know. Yeah, and eight books. Eight, wow, eight books. Did you say eight books? Yeah, at least, I think it might be more than that, maybe eight, nine or ten. Yeah, so at least eight books. Well, tell me a little bit about your interest in writing books and kind of what's, is there a theme around them or are they all different? Well, there has been, it's, there's been a progression, I'd say, rather than a theme. Um, so I, like many people, always fancied writing a book. And um, one came along when I wasn't expecting it. I was in, in a 747 39,000 feet above the mid-Atlantic on the way to holiday. And this book just came in, which I, I, I finished off on holiday, came back and published it. And it, it it transformed my career. I was at the time a board IT consultant. I published this book. 
ended up walking around London in a bra with 15,000 women because I gave um, the proceeds of the book to a breast cancer charity. Uh Uh, And then people started approaching me saying, could you help me write my book? And so I became an author's mentor, and I thought this is the new thing I was going to do. So I wrote a few more books to support my author's mentorship. And and I started putting meditations alongside the books um, as accessories, you know, sort of augmentations, Mm -hmm. if you like. And then the meditations took off. And uh, before I knew it, I'd transformed from this author to author's mentor to meditation guide. And uh, the books kept flowing. But the general theme is uh, awakening, consciousness, uh, mindfulness, meditation, metaphysics, bit of philosophy thrown into the mix too. Did you have a previous interest in those areas or was it just kind of came to you to talk about that? Yeah, I've always been interested in it, but, uh, you know, as an observer, really, I mean, my background's um, engineering and te- television engineering and stuff like that. So uh, uh, it's not been, it wasn't a professional interest more than uh, just a personal interest. And uh, uh, and I guess uh, it, it, it kind of followed an awakening that I had when I was really stressed out through work and someone said, you look a bit stressed, why don't you meditate? And so i tried to meditate and persisted and uh, then it opened a new uh, set of doors and a new world to me. And how has that changed your, changed your life with that? I mean, how do you feel like over this time with doing that, that you feel like you've kind of transformed as a person a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. It's been a big, uh, it's big, a big personal awakening. Um, um, you know, I do, um, I became, uh, I found that uh, I became a healer um became much more tolerant nicer to be around um i found that my creativity and productivity just went through the roof really and uh, and i wrote books about it i wrote books about how um you if you follow this meditative practice every day um it's not just something to help reduce stress and anxiety but it opens up the floodgates to um to amazing productivity creativity an inventiveness and innovation that uh, wasn't accessible that easily before, which you know applies not only to creatives like artists and musicians and, right. and writers, but also to entrepreneurs and anyone in business. So what's your creative process? Like, how do you go about it? Or is there, is there a set thing or it just kind of flows through you? Well, I'm a morning person. Um, so I tend to, um, I've, for some time now, I've always um, not seen clients between before about uh, 11 o'clock or or, uh, or or 12 o'clock in the day. So I meditate in the morning or walk the dogs in the morning, slide into whatever creative process I'm into, whether it's uh, writing a new meditation or uh, writing a book or, or whatever. And, um, and so that tends to be the process. In the afternoon, after I've done client work, it tends to be research and that kind of thing, which then leads and follows on to the the next day. So that's been my my daily process. I also work um, with the moon phase, which I found is incredibly helpful as well, using the moon as a as a guide, and also work seasonally. You know, so um, I found out after writing three books that they I only realised that they all start started in spring. So spring became my uh, my launch pad for. A new creative project and then autumn became the harvesting time you know so you you reap the harvest of what you've been working on in spring tell me about the moon phase and that i mean i'm fascinated by kind of the mechanics of that well it's 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 ancient wisdom and that's another one of my passions is researching the 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 old metaphysics and how we can reuse it in in a modern day contemporary context and i came across it in a book um by rudolf steiner funny enough who wrote over 100 years ago 
and he was one of the uh, the first persons people to get into biodynamics you know growing with moon phase and vintners across the world world and many farmers uh, use the moon phase but you know it's the we're we're 80 percent water 75 80 percent water uh, the moon has a massive effect on the, the 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 oceans as you know with all the tides yes and the 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 metaphysical theory is that at new moon uh, and this is a kind of a metaphor is a good time to start a new project as the uh, as the moon rotates to behind the earth it sort of pulls the earth back slightly in its orbit so it slows the earth down that's a good time to let the seed of the idea form and then from first quarter to full moon what you do is you dream of all the ways that idea might come into fruition. Then from full moon to second quarter, as the moon is now going past the Earth and it's dragging the Earth slightly faster through its orbit, that's when you uh, execute some of the ideas. And then you take action from um, the second quarter through to new moon. And I, I created a little um, acronym around that, um, IDEA. So it's a idea, dream, execute, and uh, action. And if you follow that pattern 13 times every calendar year for projects that have got that sort of that cycle, if you find that you go with the flow, it works for mark, for marketing too. And, uh, you know, it might just be, it might just be a metaphor or it might really work, but I just found that using it as my, my driver for actions, I've found that I go with the flow even more by doing it. Oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, it sounds like, I mean, even though it sounds very ancient with it in sense, it's it's essentially a system of following things. And I always think that, you know, you think of productivity and for a lot of people they struggle with productivity because they have kind of a lack of a system or, or a way of being that helps them to formulate their ideas or to cre- have creativity uh, with that, you know. Yeah, and there's a, it also maps into the ancient four elements, the idea that we've got four worlds, the the world of fire, air, uh, fire, water, yeah. air, and, and and earth. It maps into those systems as well from the, the Eastern traditions. So when you talk about writing meditations, take me through that a little bit. Um, you know, I've heard of people, you know, um, you know, kind of audio meditations, things of that nature. Um, what's the process of like writing a meditation? Well, the first thing I always uh, have in mind is what I want the outcome to be for the people listening. So, um, and as I'm a practical guy, a lot of my meditations um, are for doing things like getting more things with done, more things done with less time, or having a light bulb moment. I've got meditations that help you find your soulmate. I've got meditations that help with uh, weight management, both um, uh, losing weight and also gaining weight. Works both sides of the spectrum. Um, I've got meditation to help uh, reduce jet lag. And so it's always about what's the end result. And then I then go through, well, am I going to do this literally or metaphorically? So, for example, um, the the weight loss, uh, the, the one of the, the weight loss meditations or weight management meditations I did is about eating mindfully. And so I just take people through a process of how to engage with their food in a more mindful way and it works whether you're actually eating food or imagining you're eating food that's quite a literal meditation and with a sort of meditation for i don't know um dumping unwanted emotions 
That's what I call a guided visualization. So you take someone into a forest, this one does, then you go to a, a clearing of the forest, then there's a well, and then you scrunch up your anger and you drop it into the well. There's a little sound effect of a splash as the the anger hits mm. the bottom of the well. So, and so that that's that's a, sort of a kind of storytelling kind of meditation. Other times it can be procedural. So um, a lot of my meditations about how you get into meditation if you've never done it before. And the breath is one of the best ways to do that. So literally follow these instructions, tune into the in-breath, tune into the out-breath, tune into the middle bit between the in and the out-breath, and do this four or five times. And what I love about that one is when uh, you get instructions in meditations, if you actually follow the instructions to the letter, actually you don't end up in the meditative state. So what I do in those meditations when I say, you know, breathe, do this, follow this five times, I say at the end, did you lose count? And if you lost count, guess what is working? Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Makes so much sense. Why do you think that, I mean, I've talked to so many people, maybe it's just the people I'm talking to, but we're, generally it seems like the world is awakening to more of the idea of meditation and the action behind it. What do you make of that? Well, I think that what's happened is we're, we're moving increasingly into a more secular world. And I think people haven't found the answers necessarily in the places they were looking previously, whether that's uh, uh, by following our leadership or in, in religions mm -hmm. or whatever. So they're looking for an answer right now. Uh, and meditation really, and mindfulness really came in, I guess, in the 80s uh, big time when uh, it got introduced to, back into the, the West. Um, and that it was it's um it became a kind of pseudo religion in some regards mm -hmm. so a lot of people shunned it at first but as people are now realizing it's um it's got so many benefits and the science community is getting on board with it as well and giving it a bit of a tick which is which is wonderful and we've got all these wonderful apps out there now like calm and headspace and i'm i'm a uh, I, I, I i work with insight timer who i think are the only free app on the planet but there's loads of apps out there there's loads of mm -hmm. devices you can get you can strap on your head even and, and get you into the into the meditative state as well so technology is kind of catching up and ubiquity is there as well so you don't have to go to uh, uh, and and find a guru somewhere to learn meditation right now. If you got a <laughs> right. if you if you got an iPhone or an Android phone or a tablet or whatever or just a web connection, your guru is in your pocket nowadays, which is great. So I think it's ubiquity, and I think it's acceptance, and also that people want to find want to find an answer right now. And some of the old ways of doing things haven't worked out so well. So uh, meditation uh, for many people are finding it a, a nice way. And at the moment now we're in this lockdown mode as well. People are having more time to do this as well. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of people are turning to this now and actually saying, I do have time to do this. And once you find time for it, you know, when I first started meditating, my first reaction was, well, I haven't got time. I'm a really busy guy. Uh, and why am I, how am I going to make my mind uh, switch off? But I realized after a while, on days that I, I made that 10 or 20-minute investment, I got that time back in spades. You know, it's interesting. I feel like in, in, in many things in life, there's a simplicity to it, but it, the action sometimes can be very hard. It's in many things you do, and especially in health and wellness of – taking the time to invest back in yourself, whether it's physically, mentally, socially, emotionally. Mm -hmm. I think like we believe those things. We want to do those things, but the action behind it can be very difficult for many people. I think with people having more time, they're like, okay, maybe I, I can do this now and reintegrate it for it. But I also wonder like, how do we grapple with 
the good and the difficult things with technology and integrating that with meditation at the same time? Well, I mentioned that there are loads of apps that are out there now, but meditation is also going out for a walk. It's a pretty simple thing mm -hmm. to do. And it's one of these, once you learn to, to get into that state, it becomes very natural. So people often ask me, um, how, um, how many, how often do you meditate in the day? And I say, well, actually, I'm in meditation all the time now. After about three years of meditation mm -hmm. practice, you go into that state. So you're always in the meditative state, always reflective, always aware of your thoughts. Meditation is not about having no thoughts at all. So to answer your question, I think that the, the technology is great, but it, you don't want to rely on the technology. You don't want to get bogged down by the technology. And you don't want to think about the technology. Otherwise, it's defeating the object of the meditation itself. So <laughs> I said to many people, uh, you know, go for a walk in nature. That's as good as putting your headphones on. And uh, and it's also a good idea sometimes just to uh, switch your phones off and uh, not be so reliant on them. Yeah, I think I've been a big proponent of that. And because I think sometimes we box ourselves in into the definitions of things. Mm. And for some people, it's like, meditation. Okay. So I need to sit down and have my legs crossed and my arms out and my eyes closed. You know, they think maybe the stereotypical thing where I'm in some far away place or in the woods. When many times for me, doing my podcast or having a great meal is very meditative to me, extremely in a sense, almost kind of mimics the sense of flow and being in that state. And so I try to always tell people like, there's, there's different versions of this. It's not one thing that encompasses meditation you know well it's funny you should say that because i've never used zencaster before and right in front of my eyes now are our waveforms and i've become yes. entranced by this flow of the audio waveform <laughs> going past my eyes i do it all the time tom where i'm like talking to people and it pulls me into this very weird state of when I talk and the other person talks on the waves and it's like, whoa, I don't know if they, they meant to do that like that, but it's interesting. You know? Oh, and the flow, the way it's flowing across the screen is so graceful. You know, you can just meditate to a, to a Zencast recording and it's called Zencaster, <laughs> isn't it? Of course. Right. <clears throat> right. It's funny. They're moving to, a, um, they're going to add a, a video aspect to it. Yeah. I just signed and, up for the beta. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me too. But I want to see it. But it's kind of like, I like this audio aspect too, just because of the waves. Just like you said, it's like, I don't know, it, it pulls me in, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's kind of like, there's just different forms. And I think we sometimes get caught up in, this is the majority of this form, and we have to conform to this form or format. And, yeah, and I think know. it's interesting, you know? That's one of my biggest learnings because I really thought that my, I thought that when I started my first book and by the time I got to my 15th book and now my 16th book, I thought my life now is going to be as an, as an author and that, that my output should be in print or an ebook. But as soon as um, I started recording the audiobooks and started to record the audio meditations, I found that my voice was the thing that people really wanted to hear. And, uh, and I didn't realize, because we, you know, we listen to our voice, don't we, through our, our bones, so we all sound a bit thinner than yes. we really, really are. And people started to say, oh, they love the British accent, the fact that I don't take it too seriously, <laughs> the fact the sense of humor in there, and the fact also I explain it really easy. So, you know, they say, I've been trying to meditate for years and years and years, but no one's explained it in such basic, easy terms and made it so accessible right. and fun as you have. And it took me um, 
on this app now, I've had over over three million listens to the meditations. It took me to about a million listens for me to shrug off that imposter syndrome when you know I'm, I'm making it yeah. up and I'm a fraud because I haven't studied meditation. I've not been in an ashram. I've not done the eight week uh, mindfulness course that many many people have had. I'm I'm a storyteller, you know, and, and all my meditations are really stories for the mind that take you from one place to uh, another place. Um, but you know, I realise now very much so that the voice has got the power. And I do very little video, uh, very little video, and most of my output yeah. is in, in audio. Yeah. Actually, I have, um, I feel the same way. It's inter- I, even though I'm, I'm not opposed to video stuff and I, and I sign up for the beta thing, there's just something about the audio, the almost like riding in a car and a child who gets rocked to sleep in a car, the vibration of the sound and the voice there's something about that that feels very ancient and real to me. And sometimes I get caught, like if I see somebody, I don't sometimes focus on the voice so much and that sound, you know? Mm. But, you know, the voice has also got, also got healing uh, powers as well and, uh, and music has as well. And this year um, yeah. I started doing something uh, that surprised me. I started to compose ambient music. I've always used other people's ambient music for my, um, for my meditations as a background. And I uh, finally plucked up the courage to go and do it. And I released one track uh, on Insight Timer. Um, and I said, this is some music for a, from an anonymous new composer. I didn't put my name alongside <laughs> just to see whether I can get away with it. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and now I've composed over two hours worth of this material, uh, which is just great. And, and actually a good, um, a good qualifier for this is other meditation guides have now approached me saying could i use your music as, as my meditation background which is a lovely thing to do but the music is very much about transforming transforming if you like um, someone from one state into another state not just a relaxation state but also an awakening state and i didn't realize until early this year that you could not only do that with words but also just with sound yeah and i will add to that with movement. I mean, I, I've been yeah. a lifelong, lifelong into physical activity and been in the fitness business 20 years, but I was an athlete before I was in the business and a collegiate track and field athlete. And a lot of times people don't actually realize like in, in high level athletics or athletics where you're just steady state or whatever, where you're really focusing, you get into a flow and a very meditative process and time dilation occurs during these processes. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, I love, I love the the whole aspect of time dilation and the the subjectivity of time, uh, and the idea that you can actually change um, the speed of time just by you, your interaction with it. I just my my computer just gone to sleep, so I'm just going to wake it up so I can keep watching this um, this wonderful no waveform. There we go. <laughs> you love the waves. I love. I do. It. I love the waves. Well, so my, my latest book is called Soul Waves, so I'm really into waves. Really. Yeah. Oh man! Well, tell me, tell me about that. I would love to hear more about that book. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's um, well, it's a it's a book I I wrote. I started writing it fifteen books ago and fifteen years ago, and it's a novel. And uh, all my the rest of my books have either been short stories. I've written two books of short stories, but the rest of them have been nonfiction books. And um, and so this novel was kind of the the aim of it was to get people to look up and at the majesty of the cosmos and and realize how special this planet is. Uh, that was the message behind it, um, but I never had the bravery to publish it. And the first, I'll be honest with you, the first draft of it was pretty rubbish. I wasn't really a great writer at that time; hadn't really learned my craft. And then on my fifty ninth birthday, I spent it at my best friend from school's funeral, 
And I said, look, I've got to get this book out by the time I'm 60. Then another project came along that delayed that. But I got I got it out in my um, my 61st year. And basically, uh, the concept of soul waves is that we're the, the, the universe is conscious. Uh, we it's it's built on a fabric of awareness and 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 intelligence. Uh, you and I are connected uh, by it, as is everyone on the planet. And if you believe in past lives, uh, uh, backwards and forwards in time too, and across the cosmos, and um, soul waves are the other fabric. But what I've done is I wrapped it into a a story, which uh, I, I didn't realize at the time. It's based in Beijing and Wuhan. Would you believe? But wow. uh, 40, 40 years in the future. And I refer very quickly back in the book to this time, the tumultuous 20s, which are the decade that we're in right now. Wow. And how the 20s were something we had to go through as a society in order for us to evolve into a better state. And so it start, It kicks off in about um, 2058, I think it kicks off. And then it roll, rolls forward into uh, uh, a journey right across space and time uh, where soul waves is the force that attracts people, the right people to the right place at the right time. 2020 has been exhausting. Impeachment, Brexit, Australian brush fires, Kobe Bryant's sudden death, a global pandemic, and that only gets us up to March. With COVID-19 and November elections still on the horizon, it's more important than ever to be informed but it's hard to keep up with all of it. Enter the dose of news useful today, or the donut. A 100% free daily email newsletter delivering succinct and factual news about all the world's occurrences. Since bias and information are a problem in today's media, CNN, Fox News, we're looking at you. The donut provides easy access to all sides of the story. We report, you decide. And the best part, each day the donut services three positive stories you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily reminder there is good in the world, even if it doesn't feel like it sometimes. So, buckle up. The second half of the year is shaping up to be just as action-packed as the first. Get the donut and stay informed without raising your blood pressure. It's 100% free. You can unsubscribe anytime, but you won't want to. Visit thedonut.co or text donut to 66866 to sign up today. You mentioned about the cosmos, and I have had a tremendous fascination with space and time and all that. But I feel like a lot of people do. Why do you think that is? Well, I think we're we're Imagineers, aren't we? We love we love Star Trek. If it wasn't for Star Trek and communicators, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have mobile phones right now. And I've always loved science fiction. It's always been my go to genre in in books. Me too. And I love it. It's escapism as well, but it's not. It's more than that because it's. It's also. I think the science fiction writers of the past are the people that create the future. So you know, uh, um, was it H.G. Wells or Jules Byrne uh, back went to the went to the moon, yeah. um, uh, and and what have you? Elon Musk is acting out now the the writings of the early science fiction writers if you know what i mean and and we need our elons we need those disruptors in the in the world and i've got this theory that anything you can imagine can happen so if you can't imagine it then we can't make it happen but if we imagine it and walt disney used to call his animators imagineers which i think is absolutely amazing so we can imagine something we can make it happen which if you think about it is wonderful because if there's a world that we're living in right now that we don't like so much, we can just imagine ourselves into a new world. Now, that is power. And in, in that power, there's obviously a lot of um, 
there's 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 a lot of ownership in there as well because do you want to own a world like the one we're in right now or do you want to live in a world like a slightly different world if you've got children or grandchildren what world do you want them to inherit if you believe in reincarnation what sort of world do you want to come back into so there's an onus on each one of us now to imagine a better world not just for ourselves but for our ancestors our children uh, and even ourselves if we come back in the future yeah it's i think about it also as like exploration you mm. know like of things that we may never actually see or be a part of the the cosmos is so vast and so yeah. big it's you know when you think like well we're searching for things and we can never get to these things physically in a time that would actually fit our lifespan, generally speaking, you know, I was so fascinated. I'm always fascinated by that, how we search for things um, that we may not actually, e even if we found it, that we couldn't even really get to it type of thing, you know? Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm also a great uh, advocate that let's not go to Mars. Let's not go and mess up another planet until we know how to really look after this planet, you know, that kind of thing. That's so. interesting. Yeah. You know, I kind of feel the same way because I kind of like, you know, thinking about like posts on the moon and things like that. And I'm like, well, would it be much different here? We'd probably colonize it in a way that would be very similar because we haven't learned our lesson probably, you know? Yeah. We're not ready to, and, and a lot of that is in the Solways book um, that, uh, mm. that the moment we're planetary abusers and we got to evolve into becoming planetary caretakers. That makes so much sense. It's like to think that we would automatically have this different attitude about a brand new planet. Mm-hmm. It's kind of laughable in a sense the way we are, you know. I feel like it'd be corporatized very quickly. Oh, know? yeah, and there was a good Netflix uh, about that as well, which uh, went through the whole gamut of that, which, which did it in sort of part a documentary, faux documentary, and then yeah. uh, part dramatization. Well, the movie uh, Ad Astra, I really enjoyed it. And there's a part in it where Brad Pitt's character, like they go to the moon first, mm -hmm. and it's like, there's all this like subway or stuff like Roy Rogers and all these, you know, it's like fast food restaurants on the moon It's kind of a indicative of like, that's what we would do. We would just make it seem as much like it is here, you know, to keep it as similar as possible because people need to feel that sense of comfort and, you know. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. With the certain, the certain franchises, we don't need to uh, transport to the moon and Mars. <laughs> I agree, man. You know, it's, it's, it's just fascinating to me. And, you know, I was getting a conversation the other day about like long ago, you know, we'd have like these hundred plus year projects as a species. You know, people knew they weren't going to live to see these projects. And now it's like we we have to get things done. We have to be around to, to the completion of something. It's feel like we don't do those types of things anymore, you know. Yeah, I think what well, we've got to think in big terms. That's why I think um, the Chinese, and I write about this in the book as well, is that you know because they do don't have this sort of presidential term of uh, two two terms and you're out. They can think mm -hmm. uh, uh, for the long term, and uh, and I've made the the Chinese as an example of. You know, there's lots of things that maybe we don't do right at the moment. I'm not a political animal, but I made right. that that long sightedness one of the features in the book is that if you're going to do big things you need a long-term plan and don't just think about whether you're going to get elected next term or not right right definitely so you host your own podcast i believe correct yeah i put it on i put it on ice at the moment because the sequel to soul is coming in so it's on ice until about um 
uh, till till September October. But yeah, I've been podcasting. I think I'm up to about two hundred and seventy odd episodes now. I've been doing it for many many years, and just love it as a format. Apart from anything, is uh, editing audio is a lot easier than stitching video together. <laughs> Much easier for that. So, what is it about you that you love the most about, or or what's what's the most rewarding and most challenging aspect of doing it? I think the most rewarding aspect is it's uh, networking for me. I've, I've spoken to some amazing people I would never dream I'd ever speak to. Um, I love the reciprocity of it, so I'd love to have you back on uh, my podcast when it opens up again to yeah. find out about you and your world and uh, what have you. And in, in, a, in a world where we can't get out anymore right now, uh, so easily it's a great way of meeting people i've always been a great believer of uh, not not burning fossil fuels t- to go to meetings and what have you so if we can just network with the right people i think the other big thing about podcasts is they've got very very long uh, shelf life so i always advise my guests not to talk about something they're just releasing uh, next week for example because next mm-hmm. week if someone listens to it in five years time isn't next week anymore so that, that long <laughs> right. shelf life connectivity um experimentation as well so on my podcast i always try and do something which isn't necessarily just a conversation so if i've got um a meditation guide on there i get them to do a, a live guided meditation on the podcast mm-hmm. i've done podcasts where we've had minutes of silence which you never you never hear silence mm-hmm. in uh, on 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 broadcasts nowadays, you know. So we make the silence part of it, and I've also invited uh, other musicians onto the podcast, and uh, and we feature their music. So it's a bit of chat, then a bit of music, a bit of, a bit more like a radio show, if you like. Uh, one of you, so just having fun with the podcast. But I just love it as a really as a way of connecting with people right across the globe that never ever bump into otherwise. I feel like we have a very similar philosophy. Um, with our podcast, I often have every episode is almost like a, uh, an experiment for me and how I chop it up, put it together, just kind of my mood and how it's presented. And like yourself, I've had a lot of musicians on and poets and artists and people from all walks of life. And, you know, sometimes I do like a live performance during it or, mm-hmm. you know, we'll chat. And like you mentioned, you know, we'll have music uh, we'll jump in and out of some of their songs, a chorus, maybe play the whole song on some things, whatever it may be. Um, and I always find that it's just creativity. It's another outlet for artistry. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, for me, it's like, I don't want it to be the same format all the time. I want it to just be very different. I could have a one-off where it's just like completely crazy and that's okay. You know, it's just, just trying something new, you know? Yeah, and I, I, I noticed something on your podcast uh, where you just did a thought piece for 15 minutes uh, some mm-hmm. some time ago. I did the same thing um, uh, just this last week. Um, for this new book that I'm writing, I literally put out the first chapter of the new book as a podcast. Oh, just so you, nice. Just so people can listen to this new short story and, and it acts as a bit of marketing for the new book. Also, get it's a way of me testing out new material, what do people think of this new material. Uh, and I'm going to do over over summer. I'm going traveling. We just bought ourselves a, a motorhome, uh, and we're going to go. The, the UK is just going out of lockdown, and I'm going to go traveling. And I'm going to uh, just record myself for a few uh, podcast episodes. You know how I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, and that kind of thing. Some live in nature meditations and that kind of thing too. Uh, I might put up there. And and so it, it, 
all things have to evolve and I feel my podcast has got to evolve. I want to definitely want to get back yeah, to the yeah. interview format as well uh, in once I finish this new project. But um, for, for like the three next three months, I've just got to try something different out. And by trying different things out, we find a new way or a new way finds us, which is yes. the, the smartest way to be. Mm. Oh my gosh. I love that. A new way finds us. Yeah. You know, I, there were kindred spirits on this. I mean, I actually have like several podcasts brewing within my one podcast. Mm-hmm. In a sense, I have like a, a starting up um, a bi-monthly news roundup with a, um, a buddy of mine who has his own news organization here in the U.S. And so we're going to present the news every two months, like a roundup of two months of news. And then and have an artist who every month we're going to uh, go over his album because he's releasing 12 albums in 12 months. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, they're just almost like little side projects within the mainframe of the yeah. podcast that are just, they're just fun. They're just different things and they're different. It's my brain, you know, my brain's full of different crazy ideas. And so I never feel like it has to be this style or this format. I don't want to be stereotyped into a certain box of how I present myself, you know? Yeah. I've, I've been interviewed on a few people's podcasts where they send you five questions. And the, the the guest last week had exactly the seven five questions asked to them and stuff like that, and it's just too rigid for me. I, I go along with the flow and I try and bend the rules as much as you can within that structure, but to me that's like uh, <laughs> that's the anathema for me. Yeah, no, I people ask me what questions are you going to ask or send me the questions. Like I have no clue. I really don't know. I I don't know what you're going to say. I don't know what I'm going to say. We're just human beings having a conversation and something beautiful always seems to happen when I have these conversations. You know, I learn, we learn together and it's just, it's really fascinating what people are into, how they've evolved over time in their mindset. I'll have people come back out over many months and, you know, they're, they can be very different in how they're seeing things, you know? Mm. Oh, indeed. Yeah. I love, I love that idea. To me is that if, if the only people that listen to this conversation are you and me, it's a good conversation. <laughs> you know, I always try to think of like, like you and I are talking and I always think like, I don't necessarily think like who's going to listen. I just think like, I want to be present with the person. I want them to know that we had a quality time together. And, mm. and if that happens, then it was successful. You know, it's the metric for me is, did we feel good about it when we were doing it together? You know? Yeah, and also as a as a podcast interview, I know if you're if you're thinking about your next question, you're missing what somebody's saying right now. So I rarely have much more than the 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 first question, and and also I ask the guest what would be the best thing to happen as a result of someone listening to this podcast, and you bear that one in mind all the way all the way through. But uh, and I've had guests yeah. on the show as well. And you, you'll laugh at this where I've asked them a question. And they've answered a completely different question. So I've gone in and edited my question <laughs> to be something different so it doesn't make them look uh, a bit strange. That's funny. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, did, what, did I ask that question? <laughs> like, <laughs> and what they're saying might be really relevant and useful, but I want to make them look good. You know what I mean? So audio is so yeah. flexible, you can just go and edit it and, and, and make, them, make it look all a bit nicer. And I've had people that come What's on there. Go oh, ahead. So I'm had, sorry about that. About, yeah. about people that come on and they've got uh, bangles or they're, they're coughing or this sort of stuff. And so there's a, the edit is a bit more severe. You know what I mean? You're going to be uh, use all the processing to, to make it sound good as well. 
Yeah, most most definitely. What has been, I was going to say, what has been the most challenging aspect, if there has been any, to doing your podcast? You know, I, I got to a point um, maybe four or five years ago, and I was doing a podcast a week. Uh, only because uh, I had this this uh, amazing agent in America, and she was bringing me so many guests that were so good. I wanted to speak to them all. I wouldn't turn anybody down. And I just burnt myself out a little bit and uh, realized that one podcast every week, when I'm doing everything else that I'm doing, was just a bit too much. And I had to sort of start. Uh, something I've never done really much in my life is said no to things. And I've now I've reduced it down to about uh, once every two weeks and once, uh, once every month even. I found much more comfortable having better quality, less better quality conversations. So it was, the, it was the burnout, I think, that I self-induced. It was no one else's fault but me um, that I found the most challenging thing. So as you're restarting and kind of going through a different iteration, is there a long-term idea with the podcast or something even more creative that you're looking to do down the line, maybe a big idea or anything like that? Well, I've got to say, I don't know. I want that to find me. I want, and I want, and, and by going, I'm not going quiet over the next few months. I'm just because I'm working on this new, this new project, and I've got several yeah. other things I'm still producing. Uh, monthly new guided meditations every month, new ambient tracks every month. Um, so um, I, I've got a feeling that I'm on the cusp of reaching a much wider audience. So it's about, um, it's about reach, right? But I don't mean that in terms of quantity but maybe the quality of the people I can connect with. And that comes from the people that I have on the podcast, which is probably why we're speaking right now. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's interesting. I found over the deeper I've gotten into it, the quality of the conversation has increased the kind of the different level of conversations and it was just sharpening the knife more and more, you know, for me as an, as an interviewer or having a discussion with somebody, when you're constantly sharpening a sword over and over and over again, you know, you're like in the two seventies, I think you said, you know, I'm in the one forties right now. And it's like, you get, you, it becomes like not automatic, but just like, you're just so used to doing it. It feels natural to develop that skill. And, and then to put it out there with people. And so it's like you're getting better at the craft. And then all of a sudden it attracts different energy and more different people, quality, things of that nature, you know? Yeah. And am I right in saying on Zencaster, you can have more than one guest on it. It records different streams. and Yeah. Different, yeah. yeah. So you maybe that's have, another, another side of things that we'd be able to do to have a sort of multifaceted um, conversation. Yeah, you can have like unlimited guests actually on uh depending on which version you have. I'm I'm not sure how effective it would be depending on how well you moderate that <laughs> with a lot of people. But uh I've definitely thought about that having a couple of people there. I mean, I think it's like whatever I feel like I would like to do that feels yeah. um worthwhile to me or that I mean, I'm also interested in doing things that I think may flop. It just it doesn't matter if it fails. It's just like, uh, I'd like to try that, you know, type yeah. of thing, you know. Yeah, but I definitely feel that when 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 you l allow yourself to change and you allow something new to come along, the people that can help you affect that change also turn up at the right time too. Mm. Yeah, I, actually, that's I think that's really true. Uh, the different ideas that I've had often come from me verbalizing it here on the podcast or talking to somebody and they're telling me about their story and. It, 
you know, their creativeness. And then I'm like, we should do something together. <laughs> you know, like it just comes together, these collaborations. And I have found also that it just, you just meet so many incredible people doing incredible things and that this medium allows for some significant um, meeting of the minds, if you will, on it. Well, I remember it used to be around the fireside, didn't it? The the storytelling was around yeah. the fireside. And also the audio uh, was transmitted uh, person to person. You know, you, you had the idea of Chinese whispers. So the story leaves one person, then gets modified slightly, and then by by three or four translations, it's completely different. But And sometimes that d- difference leads to dogma, let's say, in, in some religions. Other times it ends up um, innovating in a completely different way, which has got to be encouraged. Yeah, I never thought about it that way of, you know, by fireside. It's, it's kind of like ancient podcasts, you know. and Isn't it just, yeah. Having those, you know, it's, it's just evolved in different forms. Um, the form of it has, yeah. it's changed. It's much like I was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day. I'm like, I'm pretty sure the smartphone is going to go away at some point. And he was like, I don't know about that. I'm like, seriously, just because it's here now doesn't mean it will be here in the future. It's things evolve. They change, you know? Yeah. Well, most people buy a smartphone based on how good the camera is, not how well you can make a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and that's kind of sad in a way, isn't it? Um, I, I, might, I might make one phone call a day on my phone, if that. I think that's probably a lot of people, if I had to guess. I mean, it's the, the phone is almost like a last level function of the yeah. smartphone, you know. And if they do they speak. They shouldn't even call they, it a phone. You know? Yeah, they do speak. They speak using FaceTime or Messenger or, uh, or, or or one of the apps on their WhatsApp or something like that. And But having said that, also from a, a narrow casting perspective, you know, I, I see ourselves as narrow casters. I used to work with BBC. They're one of the most famous broadcasters on the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was my first job from uh, from university. But we've all now become narrow casters. And if you think about a phone as an, the receiver of a narrow cast, whether it's live or on, on playback, then we've all got devices now. Uh, and the ability for, to, for us to take a meme, an idea, and then transmit that across the the planet and right now do we need new ideas and, and new ways of being i think it's absolutely phenomenal really the fact that we've got this ubiquity of uh connectivity uh, and when the right message gets out there and, and there have been some amazing messages going down right now i should be on one knee as we're speaking for example right, uh, right. Uh, but i think that you'd lose my voice i'd be too low for the microphone uh, <laughs> I, should, I, I take the i take the knee metaphorically uh on on this podcast yes. right now Oh, that's beautiful, man. You know, Tom, I, I tell you, I'm never surprised. I never, I mean, I'm always, I mean, I want to say I'm always surprised, but also sometimes never surprised by how beautiful these conversations are in the sense that I don't know you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know anybody generally that I speak with, but I always feel some sense of energy and connectivity and kindness and um, a synergy with everybody I talk to. And you have been no different. I really enjoyed speaking to you. Uh, and me too. And that is the power of soul waves, my friend. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> you know how to make an impression, Tom. I like that. Well, listen, I would love to connect with you again for sure. And uh, I want to support you and what you're doing. And uh, I look forward for... Um, to go out to the cosmos, you know, 
for sure. And then when the Zone Show is back up and running, I'll uh, I'll get you back on. It'd be a delight to hear more about you and uh, and the magic you bring to the world. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I will be in touch with you, my friend. Great stuff. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone.